Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 18, The Movie in My Mind, featuring star of Miss Saigon and Hades Town on Broadway, Tony Award-nominated actress Eva Noblezada. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our final episode of the season, Episode 18, I believe, 18 or 19. I, I got a count of Stage Door Medium. Before I welcome our, our final guest, and I just, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you so much for your love and support. Um, as I as I launched this podcast, please help me in welcoming the incredible Eva Noblezada to our podcast today. Hi, Eva. How are you? Hi, I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so I'm so happy you're here. I, I'm me too. So I've been looking forward to this. I have too. I've read Eva already. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but we've got we've got some good topics to dive into today. Before <laughs> we get into into the heavy stuff, can I ask? Like, I know your story. I know. You, you know, this incredible story of being spotted at the Jimmy Awards and then literally being pulled out of this group to go, you know, start the cast of Miss Saigon over in London. So can I ask, though, right before the Jimmy Awards, this part always fascinates me. Like, I call it like the Eva Noblezada lost years because like I or maybe <laughs> I just haven't followed. What was that like leading up to that? Like, were you always into the arts? Like, when did that start? I was always into my own definition of the arts as I knew it, you know, growing up, because I didn't realize how extensive of a definition the arts was. Um, growing up, I just thought it was just a magical world. Literally, like in my, I remember trying to go back into my five-year-old brain that was just like, I looked at anything like a pr- playground and all of a sudden it was my pirate ship where, you know, I was the one woman show just doing everything. And you know, it made the days feel so long and so wonderful having that kind of creative mind. So I've always loved telling stories and I've always loved connecting with people and singing and um, performing. So I'm very grateful that my calling is kind of parallels my purpose, one of my purposes on this earth. So I, I guess you could say I've always been in the arts. I've always wanted to be. So that's nice that I am. When you were in high school, I always, it's interesting. I mean, me, myself, as, as a high school teacher, as a, as a theater director of high school students, there are times where I, I recognize talent early on and I will try to, mm-hmm. I'll say, look, I don't, you pursue whatever you want to pursue in college or, or onward, but I really think you would have a great career within the arts. And it's funny because sometimes when I tell those students that they're, they're like, wait, me, like, I just, I just do this for fun or and I don't think they're aware of the magnitude of their talent and their ability. And can I ask, like, did a did a high school director make you aware of that? Or were you kind of always aware, hey, I have this ability and I should be doing more with this? I was always very aware. And I'm grateful to have had, uh, have, but also when I was young and extremely well, more impressionable than I am now, parents that were so supportive of me kind of doing whatever but mainly the arts I mean my dad for a while for a few years swayed me to do like BMX or paintball or basketball but I was like I want to sing and dance <laughs> so it was the, it was the beauty of just like the utter support and also the constant uh, repetition of the phrase like you are so gifted and blessed um, which made me think like I'm sure it doesn't just stop there like I have to do something with it to grow and to evolve and it really led my hunger my and my work ethic to like wanting to be great in what I did in my craft but I was lucky also very fortunate to go to a um, performing arts middle and high school so I was just I was a part of that like 
um, just artistic world where there were so many kids like me who didn't come from a lot of money at all, like very little, but we were all there together. Just, you know, I, I said Northwest School of the Arts had a $20 budget for the year. It did feel like that <laughs> looking back, like, but the amount of talent was just interpassable. It was just incredible. And we all kind of knew that we weren't like the fancy performing arts school, but that didn't stop us from being excellent. So, and we had great teachers, great teachers, um, wonderful places to perform, even though they weren't like state of the art, like they are now, you know, back in the day, uh, it was just a janky black box, but we made that black box into whatever we wanted it to be. And it was really magical. I'm very grateful to have had that time to just kind of like spread my wings a little bit. Sure. Which is, I, I guess, oops, there we go. Sorry about that. Which is, um, I'm excited to pick your brain on the black box in just a little bit, because I know at our school, um, you know, we're a public school. We, our budget is really whatever we make from, from patron sales, from, mm. um, from programs and, you know, and things like that. And, you know, we would not be a school like, like you'd mentioned that has this huge budget, but I think there's a magic to be found when the budget isn't there because, you know, the, the students have, we all have to get creative in, in the way we yeah. do our storytelling and, so I guess let's go to that moment really quick before we start to dive in. You're at the Jimmy Awards. What's going through your head at that point? And then, because like, and then from there, was it like the treadmill belt just never stopped moving at that point? Like, I mean, just like boom, 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 in terms of how everything just manifested for you, I should say. It, honestly, after my first um, audition, I didn't hear anything for like months for Miss Saigon, um, that was pretty quick. It was like the Jimmys and then getting the audition and going to audition and doing it. And then being like, oh, now it's like, what's going on? Like now it's like really stagnant. Like, I don't understand. And then the second it picked up again, it picked up again. And yeah. from the second audition to finding out I got the role. And then from like the weird last month or two at my high school where I knew I wasn't gonna go do college tours and to moving to London and then starting it all, it did not stop. It hasn't, it literally hasn't stopped since March, 2020, since unemployment. I've been nonstop working since then. That's what, that's what I was going to say. Like, I mean, that, that's crazy to think. And then, so that's the other thing. When you went down there, I mean, did your family move with you? Was it, was it you and like a parent? Like, how did that work? To yeah, London? my mom, bless my parents. They're, they're incredible. My mom wanted to move me in and, and be with me in London for the first six months, um, and it was funny because we were, I was actually in Les Mis for, as ensemble, like third quarter to the left for two months before I did Miss Saigon, just so I can get used to like eight shows a week in my body and sure. what, you know, being in professional show business was like. And I remember coming back from rehearsal like a week or two later and she was like crying and she was like, <gasps> and I was like, what's mom, what's wrong? And she was like, you don't need me anymore. And I was like, that's okay. Here, let me help you pack. Um, you know, because, so it was nice. It was nice that she came with me, kind of, kind of like helped me settle in a, a little bit, but really gave me the space to just kind of figure it out. Which yeah. I learned best in those situations where I just get pushed and it's like, mm. figure it out. So essentially, after those two weeks of her being there, I was solo, one solo. Wow, moms are the best. You know, both they moms and dads. Best. And I'm very fortunate to have these beautifully supportive parents as well. And like, mm. I call my mom, my momager with, with my, with, with the podcast and she's just so sweet. And she calls me every week and 
Monday night at like after the episode aired, and she goes, and I thought last week was my favorite. She's like, but I like this oh. one even more. And she's just, she's so loving. And then she fangirls and she starts following all of you. So don't be surprised if I don't even know what her handle is, but she will start following you in a couple <laughs> weeks. So be ready. Can't uh, wait. All right. So we're, I guess to go into our first prompt, I mean, now that we kind of talked about it, for me, sometimes I'm asked all the time as a medium, how do you deal with throwing yourself into something that's so emotional every day? Yeah. Because um, it is a weird topic, you know, to 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 talk about. And I don't think of it this way. I mean, I think of it just we we transition to our, our next life. And But for many, they're like, well, how can you deal with this topic of death all day and it not get heavy? And, you know, I, I have my ways of separating that I'll talk about in a little bit. But one of the other questions that came up from some fans was, at 17, like, how were you? how did you access all of that emotion for that, for that production of Miss Saigon? And then I guess, how did you shed it? Like, how did you know when to turn it off? Cause I would imagine things are flying at you so fast at 17 Ugh. stardom. And, you know, I, I would love to pick your brain on this. Yeah. I, my dad, since I was little has always been saying like, be a sponge, like never be afraid to ask. There are no such thing as stupid questions and, and I really took with, I'm really huge with imagery and visuals. So in my brain, um, not so in real life, but you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. And he would always say, be a sponge. And I just really went with that as hard as I could. I am an extremely um, big emotional um, firework yet watery depth. You know, I'm, I'm kind of the extreme of many things, but, and I learn best like that. Um, and so it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was extremely traumatic. Um, the things that happened the first months of me living there, I'm still dealing with the, the backlash and, you know, not backlash, but the effects of the stuff that happened when I first moved there. But it was um, a huge learning experience, not just in how I conduct myself as a leading lady on stage and what professionalism really means and um, making sure my voice is ready, making sure my body feels ready, making sure uh, my brain when I'm working feels ready. But I completely um, neglected my emotional and mental and psychological growth and also spiritual growth. I, I kind of like put Eva to the side and thought that my new identity was Kim and Miss Saigon. And so it was just a weird, like, I, for years, I was under complete spiritual warfare of who I knew I was, like the tiny seed in my gut that was like, you've taken, all, you've harvested everything. And so we're just, it's just us, okay? I'm a little tiny sprout and I, I need your help. We need to be this, we need, you need to cultivate and, and start growing again. For years, I was like that. And I wondered why work was so hard. I was like, why am I crying all the time and like not getting enough sleep? And why am I like, you know, being horrible to my body? And why is my eating disorder like, eating me up and why am I depressed? Why am I having thoughts of not being here anymore? And it was because I made my identity, my career. Mm-hmm. And at such a young age, I was like, oh, I see the whole idea of being a sponge is to one set boundaries and also to, to learn from those experiences and know I am um, human first. And so I want to put things in my body and, and, and be a part of things that are having to do with the vocabulary of growth and um, yeah, really just growth and like something that's alive, like my body and my <laughs> friends and 
my purpose and my passions and inspirations rather than a role and a show that doesn't that's not a, that's not living that's just a, a thing to pass the time and to sure. pay my bills so it was something that I, I don't recommend literally I say this to everybody I do not recommend anybody to move to a new country by themselves and start this massive job at that age it's not I would not recommend that way of learning to anyone because I I handled that and survived that because of my family, my guardian angels and my, and the people around me, that small group who were, who were older and who were like, we're looking out for you because you're a hot mess. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was not, it was not easy. Well, I mean, I guess to begin with, I mean, you, I think what you said though, I feel like so many high schoolers, I mean, cause remember you're, like you said, you're coming out of high school. So many yeah. of them, I mean, fall prey to this idea of my identity as that of the characters. I mean, when I was in mm-hmm. high school, I mean, there's such a, such a temptation to be like, Oh, in order to embody this character, I have to wear it 24 seven. And, yeah. but it's funny. I mean, the same truly goes with mediumship. I mean, for, for me, when I first started, I was like, especially like really having success with like getting like names and like full names and you leave there going like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. I want to do this 24 seven or you're trying to let the meter run then when you're in the grocery store. And like, I, I remember doing it. I remember, um, I remember being in, Oh gosh, I was in the hospital visiting my grandmother who was sick at the time. And I remember I was like, Oh, the meter's on. I, I'm just going to use it. And I, I, I tried to share it with the nurse. And this was when I first started developing my ability. And the nurse was not having it. She was like, I, I, I'm, and that was my fault. I should have. And I didn't know at the time you're really supposed to go. I have a message. I'm a medium. Do you mind if I share this with you? It's peaceful. It's loving. And I didn't do that. I was like, Oh, I've got to keep this battery oh, wow. running and just share it. So for me, that was like the, okay, like lesson learned. Like, so now it's, it's interesting. Like now when I'm, so I do readings Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And then I take days off because otherwise it's, it's too much. And then on my days off, I don't talk about it anymore. It's like, Mm. I was listening to a podcast with Tyler Henry, the Hollywood medium, and he was talking about, you know, it's there, you hear the static and you just kind of go, okay, it's background noise. Um, And we can absolutely turn it off. So I always say, if you ever have a medium that's like, oh, it's on all the time, it's a crock of shit. (laughs) I think they say it for publicity purposes, but it doesn't work that way. So um, when you were talking about the idea of, I guess when your coworkers lovingly called you a hot mess from 17 to now, were there aspects of your career? Like you, like, I guess you touched on a little bit. Was there anything else that you're like, I have to rewire myself because like, Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like exactly what you mean. I just, was it like, I guess what you like in terms of like your, like the, the profession itself in terms of like accessing emotion, do you still access it the same way you did at 17 or did you have to rewire that as well? I had to rewire some things, but the, I always picture this infinite bucket of cosmic feeling and it's like in my solar plexus. And I, and because I know that it's infinite. I can dip into it as much as I want. I will say the technique comes in where you go, Eva is not on stage. The character is on stage. So when you see my physical vessel, perhaps on stage crying and being thrown around and you ask Eva, how do you do that? Well, I'm not doing it. My character is when I'm on stage and I'm in it, I open my eyes and I'm the character. I don't feel Eva's body. I don't feel 
Eva's thoughts, I feel what the character's feeling. And that how that that's that's less emotion, more technique. So it allows me then to turn it off and turn it on. So the second I'm off stage, I'm making like a fart joke with my friend. And sure. the second I'm on stage, she's back in in the same what then the stakes are even higher. So that to me is what I, I wasn't because I am emotional and I kind of love living in that. It's almost it's it is a superpower to me, like in that extremely emotional, empathetic world. But I didn't know how to turn it off. So I would be going home with like the energy of Kim's story. And it would be in the worst way. It's kind of like you get a nice painting and then all of a sudden you just like dowels it with black paint. It's like that's what I felt every night, like the heaviness and darkness from Miss from Miss Saigon. And and it was just, it was overshadowing all the things that I needed as Eva, which meant that everything got shut down. My ability to do my job well, my mental health, my physical health, it all started declining because I just was wiring myself to give so much to the wrong thing. So, I mean, and I'm still, there's still times when I'm like, I rewire, I'm like, ooh, I got to rewire. Like, even though I'm doing this thing, which you probably love, where if the second I start to feel like I'm getting into funk, I immediately imagine my wing spread and I'm like, nope, time to raise my vibration. Because I do, I picture my own, I talk about this in my in my, in my meditations for the Amadeo Project, but this idea of like, how would your physical body, hence your mental state change the second you feel you have these massive angel wings attached to your back. And I'm like, ooh you know, I start to raise my vibe. <laughs> so. Okay. So if I was staring at you just like this the entire time, it's because I literally say the exact same thing. So first off, my solar plexus area is one that I always have to work on the most with, with meditation. Mm-hmm. I, I have my citrine out. I sometimes I'll use, do you have, I, I just got one. It's beautiful. Oh, I got my God. new one. Oh wait, no, it's in there. And it's I can't even, there. I can't even run to, cause this is how low the pandemic has gotten. Like I have just shorts. Like I look like it's really bad. So I can't even run to go get it right now because this is anyway. Um, <laughs> solar plexus is one that I have to work on the most because I judge myself harshly all the time. If Ooh, somebody yeah. has a nine out of a 10 on a reading, I know they don't rate me like that. But if I feel I gave a nine out of a 10, I'm like, oh, I missed this. Or, you know, um, just recently, and I'm getting better about it. But recently I read somebody and I had everything down for this, this person. And they're like, well, they didn't say this word. And for a second, I started to beat myself up and I'm like, you know what? No, 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 no. And I was like, that's not how it works. I, I told them, I was like, yeah. I listen in, like you said, like your dad, I, I, I'm a sponge. I soak it all up. I, I process it. I spit it back out, you know, I, I, and, and that's how it works. I don't, it, it doesn't work that way when somebody goes, well, can you give a specific word? Every so often it does happen, but not like recently it was nuts. I was reading somebody and I could tell that she, she didn't do anything visually to tip me off, but she it was crazy. I, I dismissed the one soul and I was like, oh, and all of a sudden my legs from my knees down started to shake and they just flung out like this. And I'm like, did you just ask another person to come in right now? And she was like, yes. I'm, I go right when my knee did that. And she was like, yes. And I go, did this person, did they not have mobility below the knee? And they're like, they were quadriplegic. And I'm like, Oh, there we wow. go. So Let's I'm like, give me goosebumps. I did. I did too, right on the spot. Wow. So I'm like, all right, that's my sign then. That like, and it does happen sometimes where it's that immediate. Um, 
but oh goodness, I just, oh, so yeah, with the, with the solar plexus. Yeah. I absolutely have to work on that too for myself. And just, you know, I've rewired myself from the way that I was working almost 10 years ago, you know, and, and there are moments where based on whatever's going on in my personal life or, you know, my, my, my work life or things like things that used to be so easy suddenly seem so hard to do as a medium. Yeah. And then I have to go, Oh my God, it's like, you're overthinking it. And so I, I do the exact same thing. I visualize either wings or I did this one meditation one time that opened my eyes to it. It was talking about white light, you know, surrounding us. And then it was like, okay, now, now that you have this image in your head, where's the, where, how far out does the white light go? And in my mind, I was like, about here, it's about a foot out. And it's like, okay, now put that light six feet out. And that's really what we're wow. doing in actuality. And to that's just, nice, yeah. So to just rewire my brain to go like, oh, this is the amount of light that we all give off every day. And I just have to remind myself of it and then I'm good to go. And yeah, so you're magical. Uh, um, so to it's nice to have somebody understand because not a lot of people that I, even, you know, my friends who are beautifully weird and incredible and just awesome. It sometimes I, 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 I do speak sometimes in like, I do feel like I'm half alien sometimes in the way that I see and experience life so it's nice to have somebody who genuinely is like oh yeah that's normal that's how I feel <laughs> it is for me it's it's my normal I got you there yeah. and no so um I'd also love to talk with you about because this was another question that came up was balancing mental health so I know we've spoken about it a little bit but for you when you're doing a show, when you're, I mean, and here's the other thing you talked about, how to be a leading lady with grace and how to, mm. how do you balance the mental health aspect with, like, what do you do to help combat? And because I guess for me, I should say, like, I can't bring it into a reading with me. Like, I really have to shut it off or just go, yeah. I'm acknowledging it, but I'm keeping it at bay. So what, what do you do? Um, I mean, I will say that there have been many times where I have just a, an attack of just like not being able to breathe. And thankfully, uh, thank God for this, the Haiti Sound stage managers and in particular Cherie, um, just have to say her name just in case she feels like a warm hug behind her and giving her that right now, because she, um, she knows like she's just so lovely and understanding of people who suffer with anxiety and, and depression and there was the, there's been a few times in Haiti so where I know it's there it's an overwhelm it's kind of like um you're looking into a beautiful like English garden and there's butterflies and it's all light and you feel just cold down the back of your back and you know it's like the second you turn around we're we're on you that's how it felt a lot of the time um in, in Hades Town and also Missagon, but most recently Hades Town. And the second I knew I was going off stage, I would hold it, hold it, hold it, stay in that world. And then it'd be like sucked out into whatever was waiting to consume me. And thankfully Cherie would be there with like um, uh, ice packs. I would put one on my head and one on my chest and my back. So she always had those. If I, if I started shaking, sometimes I couldn't breathe. She would know what to say. You're fine. Keep breathing. Put your legs in your head. I have these ice packs for you. Do you want a heat pack? Do you want a cookie? You know, so, and also just in those times, um, I not once it is for everybody, but I had Eurydice and I had the story that supported me when I was weak, um, when I was vulnerable. I had this story 
to connect myself to. And thankfully I love Haiti. So I love the store and I love doing it. it makes me feel powerful. So I'm, I'm very lucky because not a lot of people feel like that. And even when Eva was feeling weak and I was like, Oh God, I can't do anymore. The second I was back on stage, it was like, I was back mm-hmm. without even a, maybe a few tears still, you know, coming out of my eye, but I was back in the story and it was, it was, it was a very healing experience. I do say I, I probably missed that in the paycheck the most. <laughs> well, yeah. I remember after I read you, I fell down the rabbit hole and I started watching the blog. And can I ask, is that what one of the, one of the blogs for Hades town, and I'm probably misquoting it, but I remember you're crying backstage and your camera was oh, yeah. on and you're like, shit is real. Or you were saying like, yeah. is that kind of what you're talking about? What you just mentioned? Yeah, there was, uh, there was one in particular that I remember where, um, and this, this is only really ha- started to happen in the last year. I remember my, my wonderful, beautiful boyfriend, we were doing a road trip and I, I was, I had alcohol poisoning and I was throwing up in the car. It was a really big disaster, but I was so anxious about like what my body was doing. I was like, I'm under attack. I was like, I really felt possessed. We pulled over and I was like, oh, I can't move my hand. I couldn't move my hand. And I was freaking out that I had lost. I just got so freaked out. And the only other time I experienced that was in Haiti somewhere. I'm doing the scene. I know I'm about to go down on the lift and my whole body starts and I start, I couldn't move my hand. So I tried to hide them at my side and make it feel like a stance, but I was shaking. And I remember seeing the people in the cast and like, look at me and look away. Cause they were like, Oh God, like, you know, they knew yeah. that I'd be okay, but I knew that Sheree would be waiting. So I'm going down, I'm going down. And I just put, like, I was like, I can't, I can't move. So she had to go on the lifts, you know, and bring me out and they had to pull the thing up. And I just remember being like, wow, I, I genuinely, and I was embarrassed. I was like, this is so embarrassing because everyone else is so um, professional that they never do this on stage. Um, but then that's why I thought it was so important to share because the more normal people can start seeing performers and just people, then we stop putting people on pedestals and expecting, we, we start to really eradicate that idea of perfection, which I just fucking hate yes um and i that's why it's like i don't have time it's, it's honestly a waste of my energy to be anything but myself anyone but myself um and so that's why i thought it was important because i was like for all of you kids students who are excited to be a part of musical theater be passionate be excited but also be intelligent and understand that this is still your life and sometimes a lot of the times life's gonna bite you in the ass and if you're ready for it, it's gonna hurt like it does now yeah so it's just important to have, to be, um, you know, it's nice to, to, to feel seen when you're like, Oh, I'm like that. Nice to know she is too, you know? And that's why with this podcast, I mean, that's why I love to break down the wall of the fact that I always start off too with a reading. I go, I'm not a mind reader. I, I will be, there's a chance I could be off on a name or I might not pick up on this person right away because it humanizes the experience. And I never want somebody who comes to see me thinking that they're seeing someone who is supernatural or other, like I'm human. Mm -hmm. And I like to describe it as, remember when you're in art class and um, they put the leaf down and they put tinfoil over the leaf or a penny and then they put the tinfoil and you start to sketch it and you're like, oh, like, I'm starting to see like the, you know, little, um, little bits and pieces of the leaf coming out. That's how it works for me. So I always say mm-hmm. sometimes I might not have the full image sketched out yet. I might have a name or if I'm yeah. in this corner of it, I'm like, oh, I got the cause of death. So I'm always like, you have to be patient. Um, you know, and if I get something wrong, I hate when you have mediums that just are afraid to be wrong. And they're like, 
Oh yeah, that that's what I meant. That's what I was gonna say. Like bullshit. Oh, you know, don't yeah. don't lie. I mean, I think to me, I would rather get nine out of ten things right and be human and own that time that I don't get it right than go. Oh, you misunderstood me. I actually was saying like, don't do that. You know, just I. That's why I'm like humanize the process and, um, goodness. I mean, when you were talking about about Hades Town with with mental health, I mean, are there things that you do in your downtime? Like I, I saw now that I'm I I can follow you again because I had to unfollow you before. I saw that that you do pole dance. I mean, are there, like what are some other things that you do to combat and to kind of keep mental health things in check for you and I guess overall wellness. Yeah, I, I know this is, this might sound very cheesy, but I want to make sure that the things and energies in my environment always make me feel good and feel happy. Like even the things I put in my body, I will say everyone, if, if those who know me, I love drinking. I do. I, I love it. I know how to, I know how, cause sometimes people are like, well, alcohol, I have so many people say that to me and like, you do drink. And I'm like, so everyone, <laughs> everyone yeah. has that, that thing, but I mean, I just, I want to be around people and things that make me feel happy and not in a way that's like, I love myself, but in a way that's like, I love my life. Yes. I love myself in my life, you know? And, um, you mean, I mean, God only knows I would love to wake up and be like, I love myself. I still haven't <laughs> achieved that kind of that confidence that I, I really desire. And I, I'm sure deep down I do have it, but I have this weird, weird, um, you know, this thorn in my side for, uh, appearance. And that's what, you know, part of my eating disorder and part of my anxiety is has to do with what I look like because of a traumatic experience. But I, I just want to be around things and eat things and look at things and watch things and have conversations that make me feel happy. That's why I created the Amarillo project because Amarillo in Spanish means yellow. Wow. And it's this, to me, uh, the, you know, the color of the sun, the color of light, the color of, you know, vibrance and radiance and project mean that not that humans that you're like a never-ending self-improvement project but that um it's never-ending like you can keep adding and in in making something wonderful which is your life you know so I'm grateful to have the I guess issues that I have I'm grateful for those traumatic experiences in a way because they made me the war warrior I am today and at the same time I'm I'm um grateful for conversations like this where I feel seen and heard I mean I hate when people are like I see you I hear you but I do I love I love feeling connecting with people it's yeah. just it's so um essential right now and that's in general but right now it's so essential you I mean that that's why I do what I do and it's it's interesting when I when I interviewed Stephanie J Block she said something really cool about she was like, I know some people are like, you have to leave the work at the door. And she goes, and I, from she goes, for me personally, I disagree. She goes, I find I take the crap with me and it gives me a richer performance on stage. And it's funny. I mean, I, there are certain things where like, I definitely, I have to, if I'm having a rough day or if something's not gelling, I will have to leave my house. It's very much like a, like a pre-show call. Like if you're like, you know what? I need extra time. I'm going to get there an hour earlier. Like mm. I, I will do the exact same if I know that I have to shed whatever's going on, you know, out of, you know, off my skin or I don't meditate all the time. I think that's a misconception that mediums do all the time. And I will probably do it about once a week. Um, I'll always do like a quick one just to kind of see white light coming down on me before I, before I do a reading. But I think I already kind of vibrate up here normally. So I don't really need to that often, but yeah. um, I find that there, there are days where if I have my own hurt or pain that I bring into a reading, 
it's interesting because I always say that like gets like, and sometimes I might find like, oh, I was a magnet today and I'm able to use what I'm going through to channel this reading for this person that more deeply and go, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to take this so I can understand your pain as the empath, yeah. but then I'm going to go, what do they want to, you know? So, um, goodness, this is nice. Like you said, I feel like I feel seen today. Like I know not to yeah. be like, I see you, I hear, but, um, could I ask you, you started talking about the Amarillo, where did that come from? Like, where did you get the idea to, because I, I, you know, I started following it and I saw that you wanted to talk about the normalization of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And at what point did you like, I think I need to do this for others and for myself? I think just because I, I was, I'm, I was at this point in, in the quarantine where my partner had taken up something that is his business. And it's just, it's been so beautiful to watch that flourish and watch him just kind of like spread his wings at home and be happy. And I was like, what is something that makes me happy? And it's like talking about this shit. This makes me really happy. Talking to my <laughs> friends and having a cocktail and talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And just, you know, I tried to create this motto, which for a video project, which is um, creating a self and powerful, powerful self-affirmation through cultivating conversation. And I love that because when I find people that I want to have a conversation with that I love their energy. It makes me buzzy. It makes me feel like, like yes, after yes, that yes. Com- for, for like days. And I'm like, we should always have this space where we can feel like this. It's almost like um, a, a healing pick me up, like, like a tonic. And I tonic ironic because I love gin, but um, <laughs> it, it, I just loved it. And also like just talk, it was an excuse to call my friends and have an hour long chat yeah. with them. And, and I don't know, it, it it, it was perfect timing and I'm, I'm grateful in my career to have opened the conversation longer than I thought I did about mental health. I mean, I was talking about this stuff in interviews when I started in Miss Saigon and I remember how I, everyone was trying to be like, hush, hush, especially in England. They were like, we don't talk about this here. You know, like, <laughs> it's not be grateful for your job, you know? Um, and it was funny because I was, I remember I was like, I was, it was always in there in me to talk about this because that's yes. how we felt. And I watched other people and I was like, hmm, I'm not trying to say I know better than you, but I think you're not okay. Yeah. So if you're ready to have a friend, I'm always here. Um, not that I always say this to them, but I would I would just observe that other people were having same in their behavior and in their speech, like the same things that I was thinking. I was like, why am I so much louder than everyone else <laughs> um, in, in my struggle? So yeah, I'm grateful to have had that thing where everyone's like, if anyone's going to talk about mental health, it's Eva, which is great. I'm grateful that I've, I've had that impact on the community. So I thought might as well make it into a thing that's that makes me happy. And it's so neat to see these Broadway leading ladies that are now talking about mental health and addressing it. Do you find that when I really click well with somebody, my crown chakra will tingle? And like when I read Tim of Town. if you're listening at home, the minute I hung up, like, that was ting. I just felt so intellectually, like, seen and stimulated. Yes. Yeah. Like, and that was my mom, when my mom was like, that was my favorite one. She's like, just the way you guys spoke together. And I feel like it's, other others notice that too, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a magical thing. Um, it is a magical thing. I also love Tim. Tim and I have this great relationship where, I love when I can shoot the shit with someone because my my natural humor is very dry, very sarcastic, um, always joking. And I love when I can just sit and look at somebody and say, you're 
you're an ugly bitch. <laughs> and he knows that ex- what I'm saying is I love you so much. And I, I do, I loved him. And I also love, you know, with his performers puzzle thing that he's created, it's nice to see so many people that I know are like pretty much everyone is like made a spiritual baby in a project or like yes. a thing, an organization. It's so nice to see. So anything that you feel comfortable sharing about, about your reading with, with our folks at home? Yeah, of course. I, I'm, I was very nervous. Really? I was very nervous because I thought I was going to do something wrong. I remember thinking the night before, like when you said like light a candle and just ask if they would just meet you there, the people that you're thinking of. And I remember being like, like, what if I do this wrong? What if they don't hear me? Um, Which is funny because I knew that it was going to be fine. I was just nervous because I had never had a reading before ever. And I just kept hearing my mom's voice in my head. Who's just always so skeptical of anything that's not structured religion sorry but i you know i love you but it's true um and i was just like i hope that this i hope that i'm i guess my biggest fear was i hope that i'm readable because you never you know like you never want to go into a store like it's i had the same fear of like going to a store and being like do you have this size and they'd be like no (laughs) do you know you're like we do not have that size or we don't think that's gonna look good on you like that fear of like being excited and getting shut down so i was very scared but it was incredible and it really, it blew my mind to be honest. And to, to have like someone like you being so warm and so friendly and so just calm, cool and confident. I, I, I was like, wow. But also like being able to see you and at work, like it was very interesting because we had never spoken, we had no. never talked, met and everything that you said, I was like, wait, what? Are you serious? And I don't, it, it just kind of blew my mind. I mean, I, I never thought that I would be speaking to my, the Charlie or my, or, you know, especially with what you shared about um, the baby and, yeah. and everything. I was like, I can't believe that. That's so beautiful, like hauntingly beautiful. And I've thought about that a lot since you said that, of the fact that they're okay. And when I told my mom that she was like, wow and I she just shut up for the first time in 25 years that I've known her she just wow. shut up she stopped talking she was like huh that's interesting and I was like yeah let that soak in that's nice huh <laughs> it, it was so interesting and also what you said about um it was also the first time I felt like I had a, a clear connection with whoever was looking out for me including my guardian angels and my spirit guides and everything and the first time I felt like a pat on the back, like you're going in the right direction. Like that's the first time in my life that I felt like it was like, you're doing great. You don't need to worry about anything. You're on the right path. Absolutely. No doubt about it. So it was, that was very powerful, very powerful. I always start off with a pat on the back too, because spoiler alert, that's something that I choose to do as a person because it puts the client at ease. No one wants to start off with like, Oh, you've got a lot to fix. Like recently I, I heard a medium deliver something. And it's all about delivery too. This this girl had wanted to know, was she going to have children? And I kept hearing the answer was yes. But I, the way I heard the medium answer, they were like, uh, yeah, but there's a lot of things you need to fix first before you try to have kids. And I'm like, oh, wow. what the freak are you doing? And like, so it's just, you have to know how to talk. I mean, rather you might... And I, I think that's so much of mediumship for me. Yes. I mean, it's, it, it's part connecting with them, but you also have to know how to talk to people. So rather I would have been like, that's so exciting. Like, 
But I feel like there's two really exciting hurdles or projects that you want to work on before you start a family. Do you connect with this? And you don't word it the, you know, the first way. And that's why mediums, I think, sometimes get a bad rap because there comes a point where you're like, you have to go, okay, like you're talking with a stranger. You don't know them. You want this to be a positive experience. You always want them to leave there feeling better about their situation yeah. than they currently do. And yours was fascinating because I call yours like if like if I were to like, you know, um, if each reading was like a chapter of like a book or something, I would call yours the empty barrels reading because for me, I saw, <laughs> I'm sitting with you. I, I'm like this and I'm like, all right, who wants to come through? Who wants to come through? And I shit you not, I see like the tumbleweed blow by and I'm like, yeah. so that's always my symbol for there's not many people. And then I kept yeah. looking in barrels and the barrels were empty, meaning again, and I remember I was like, I think this one is a great and then it's funny when I was meditating, I'm pointing behind me because there's, um, it's very like a dressing room. I have a couch here with like a pillow that I hide under there. So if I need to take nice. a nap, I can, then we have a bar over there. So, um, but anyway, oh, that we, we've got it stocked. So, um, I kept hearing uncle, 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 uncle. So, and I always love to break this down for folks at home that listen to, because they're like, how does it work? Who comes through first? Let's start there. I have no control over who comes through and, and why. I always say the folks that come through, usually the order, it, it, it can either be just how I, how, I, how I intuit it or this person's coming through because you might not have lost many people or they're coming through because they were super important to you or they're the one that feels the most educated on the topic that you want to talk about and that's why they're going to give you the advice. So when I kept hearing uncle and then the minute I was so excited because when you said when you said it in Spanish, I was like, I know Spanish. I was like, that's uncle. And I was like, I have uncle written down. So I was like so excited. And then just to hear you like a half hour ago talk about when you were in London, then I didn't know that, you know, there were some ugly experiences there. I distinctly remember telling you that I was like, your uncle was with you in London in particular to kind of help support you and I didn't know what I was saying he just was like say it as is so just mm -hmm. to hear you validate that now is so neat um yeah that's oh. so cool that's so cool it blows my mind well and the other thing and I, we can't really talk about but it's funny because I was like I think and if we can't say this we can't you just let me know and I'll cut it out but I was like I see two jobs coming for you like really soon and you're like mm. uh well there's there's the one and I'm like Maybe the other one's for my partner. And I'm like, no, it's for you. And then today yeah. we had to start a half hour later because you're like, oh, I'm, I have to go do a job and I have to get a COVID test. And I, I, I replied back and then I was like, oh, wait, P.S. It's like told you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I genuinely was, I, I just remember the mindset I was in when I did that because I was like, oh, I haven't been getting jobs. I'm doing this one job, but you know, I want jobs. I don't want just one job. I want jobs. Yeah. And I, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're dating you know, another actor as a performer yourself, you know, it's hard to not suffer in comparison because you're like, Ugh, I want to do to have the same amount of projects that they have, because I think that's success. But then it's also like, that's my ego talking, which lately I've been having to look at more and go, you, you need to not drive as much. You're drunk, go home. You know? So seriously, I was like, why are you, you speak a lot more than I thought you did. You need to shut the hell up. Um, so that was the whole ego thing, in, in my opinion, being like, I've been working nonstop for seven and a half years. I don't. And then also the, the insecurity thing of like, I don't deserve a job. <laughs> like, you know, are I don't deserve a new opportunity. Are your auditions primarily on Zoom right now? Like when you're and like, how do you connect digitally? Is it harder? Is it easier? I actually. 
actually prefer, I don't prefer it, but I, the way that I've gotten the two jobs I've gotten have to do with me meeting the people in charge. If I have to audition with material, like the, my second one I did, I auditioned with material, but I had to chat with them first because I'm, look, this is the only egotistical thing I'll say. I'm very funny. I know how funny I am. I'm very funny. I'm the funniest person I know. Um, uh, and so I'm glad that I can make laughs and I'm glad I can make people laugh and myself laugh because I feel like it always makes an experience a lot more enjoyable. So I, I feel like I really, you know, throw the humorous worm out there and I reel these motherfuckers in to give me the job. I'm very funny. So thankfully, we still have those Zoom setups where I can meet the director and have a conversation with the director. And if they think I'm right for the project based off our vibe, then it's a go. So the two projects I have upcoming are genuinely, and, and the one I'm doing in the mo at the moment, um, have to do with me meeting the person. And then after they got a good vibe of each other, they sent me some material sent back. And it was like, I don't know. It's, it was like the energy from that conversation manifested the job itself. And yeah. I'm yeah. grateful for that. I will say I'm a horrible auditioner. I, if I have to go in and do a normal audition, I'm dreadful at them. I think it's funny because I have a lot of stories, but I know I have a lot of work to do. Even self tapes, horrible at them. Horrible, horrid. Huh. I have to, whenever I do a self tape, you can be rest assured that I'm, I'm at least two whiskeys in. I can't do it sober. And the, and see, and I'm so, and for the, for the, just the theater folks watching at home that are in college and pursuing this, like, listen and learn right now. You know, Eva, we have Eva here admitting she's not perfect with her auditions or self tapes. This is not good advice, I don't think, but I think true authenticity weeds out the people that you wouldn't want to work with. Yes. Because I genuinely think that it's kind of the thing of like what you attract, like, what's the thing? Like, what? Basically you what you give off, you attract. Like You attract. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying. I was like, what do you give it? But I do think that because if I'm if I'm able to shoot the shit with someone but show them that I'm professional in my work, that's the perfect vibe. That's who I want to work with. I don't want to work with somebody who, you know, if I try to make a joke, they're like, How dare you? I don't want to work with someone like that. Like, you know, and, and I, I know my some maybe some people on my team might might disagree because I do say no a lot because I'm quick. My intuition's very strong. I know what I want to do. And I also know if my ego's like, we don't want to do that. We're too good for that, which is very rare. But sometimes we're like, you know, every once in a while a Disney thing comes in and I'm like, no. But I, I have such a clear conversation with myself at all time, at all times that this particular person on my team might not understand. So it's hard for me to say no all the time. At the same time, it's very difficult for me to say yes to something that I'm not passionate about. Sure. Because I'm 100% or nothing in a project. I work my butt hole off in, in a job that I'm doing because that's what this project deserves. I want to give it a million percent yes. energy because that'll give me something, not just because I re I'll receive something, but because that's what I love to do. So I, I say yes to very few things. And this is also good advice. I don't say yes to everything. I say yes to the things that genuinely excite me and um, I know is going to challenge me and make me very happy. Um, it's hard to give that advice, of course, when we're in the middle of a pandemic, but um, even then, because burnout's real, and I experience that even now, like, with doing stuff, and sometimes I look at my Google Docs, and I'm like, what? Like, I'm more busy now, and I don't actually have, like, a steady job. <laughs> How is this possible? I know it's, this month was, this month was terrifying to me, because it was the first month that I've, essentially, I guess it's a weird word, that I've ever sold out, so to speak, like, I'm oh, wow. not, so if you're, if you're watching at home, I booked 
so I'm now booked into the end of April, but I've known about this since like mid February. So wow. it's, it's crazy. And there's every Congratulations. morning. Thank you. I, now I'm like, Oh, thank you. But I was, I was terrified because I'm like, Oh gosh, like there's a lot of people. And like, it's, <laughs> it's, but then I have to keep going like, okay, like ultimately like this is what you wanted. You wanted to grow your business. You wanted to share your love of mediumship with others. And now you have this chance. And now that I take the days off in between, and like I said, when I don't talk about it, I'm like, we're not talking about spirit today. We're, we're yeah. talking about our dogs. We're talking about, you know, how was your day to my husband? Like, you know, he's, he's this incredible photographer. And I'm like, show me your work today. Like it's, we balance, you know, mm. and, um, yeah. and I guess to piggyback, I really quit. I love the zoom readings because it forces you like look right now like if this were folks at home if you're a practicing medium or if you're a skeptic I can't see anything if if I'm reading yeah. somebody I can't see if they're married I can't and I always say go into a reading with like nothing on the shirt like no graphic shirt I'm like because we are human I mean our own subjectivity comes into play so I don't want to see a shirt that you know like let's say you know um I'm not even going to like, let's say you have a shirt that pretty, you know, gives me a statement about, I don't want to know that. I don't want to know who you are by your t-shirt, by your, yeah. and you know, I was, I just shared it recently on social media when I did the reading for somebody a couple of years ago. Sometimes if we're just, if we're tired or we're like, I don't know, I'm having a hard time focusing. I was reading this woman in front of me in person and I'm like looking and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like this and I'm taking notes. And then I see out of the corner of my eye, her toenail, her, her, her nail polish color was horrible it was like this neon uh, yeah, yeah. but i remember i'm no. trying to channel like her father and i'm like this does not go well with your <laughs> shoes and then all of a sudden you got it like my brain starts like starting to giggle and i'm like no 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 and like it's a very delicate dance where i'm like uh oh i gotta keep dad here but i'm like these are really ugly toenail color polish so i love zoom because i can't see any of that and yeah, it keeps yeah. us very even phone ones are fun because if you can't see anyone, you have no way of letting your own subjectivity come in. So it's true, a that's real, very true. It's exciting. And now it's time for some last minute questions. If you were a ghost, yeah, if you were stuck as a ghost in a theater for all of eternity and you could only watch one musical over and over and over, what would it be? Lemis. Lemis. No one's picked that yet. It's my favorite. It was my favorite. Being in it was my favorite. No one's picked that yet. Good choice. Yeah, I think it's a good choice. Because um, I know it so well. I could. I, I tell Reeve this. I say, I'd love to be, and we call them the hosts. We're just, our humor is as stooped an all-time low. Um, ghost makes us laugh. The word ghosts. Ghost. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so but I say, um, I would love to be a ghost, and then I could do this thing. We just come up with all these different scenarios on how we would haunt people in ways that are just so <laughs> dumb and funny. Um, but anyway, the, I would, I would just, I would haunt the crap out of Blamez. I think that'd be great. There you go. Um, if there's a, any character that you've played in the past or present that you think would benefit the most from seeing a medium. Oh my God, Eurydice. Absolutely. Could you imagine? I feel like, I feel like if she got read by a medium, she would sit down and be like, all right, well, I don't believe in this stuff, so let's see it. And then the medium would touch her hand and it would burn and it'd be like, you're a demigod. And she's like, hey. <laughs> she's like, you really are. A <laughs> I think that'd be so funny. That's <laughs> um, if you could go back and originate a character on Broadway that was made famous, that might've been like a star making turn for another actress at the time. If you could swap with them, what would it, what would it be? Ooh. 
originate? That's a great question. For some reason, the first thing that comes to mind, and I don't even, I'm not even passionate about this, but Reno Sweeney, I don't even know why I'm excited about that. But honestly, probably um, Millie Dillmount. Now, on the flip side, if you could, if if you could offer Eurydice to, like, let's say that there was no age restriction on Eurydice, which there's nothing that says that there is, but if you could, if there was like a big Broadway diva that you could be like, you know what, I want this to be your role, who would you pick? Trying to think of the music and I know. I mean, just for laughs, I'd love to hear Patti Lapone try to sing soft. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Could you imagine um, Patty singing flowers? I <laughs> it would be epic. She probably wouldn't want to sit down. She'd probably want to stand up. She would. And then all and then you'd she maybe have a section where she, you know, is putting her hands up and then all of a sudden she turns around and it's just spells Patty and big massive lights like in Gypsy. Um <laughs> What can you do? That'd be great. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Patty makes me laugh. Thinking about Patty makes me laugh. But also, I don't think she would like the revolve. I think she'd be like, they're going too fast. You know? <laughs> I think she'd be like, I won't do this. I just, the singing of her. Stop the moving the platform. Stop, yeah. stop, stop. You heard the stage manager. Who do you think you are? Uh, oh, and that, that, would, that thing would stop. If, if she said it stop, the turntable s- would stop. In the second it leaves your mouth, the word stop. <laughs> I want to hear Audra sing Eurydice. I mean, we'd have to change the keys, but just in like concert version, I'd be like, what? That'd be great. Her voice is Audra. just disgusting. Final question on a different note. Many, many, many years from now when we're all not here, how would you want people to look back and, and remember Eva? Hmm. I don't know. I've never thought about that. I think cheesy line, but wonderful human, <laughs> because I don't know. I, I kind of want it knowing me. I just want to put a tombstone uh, on my tombstone. I just want it to be a joke. Um, <laughs> I've, I've joked to Reeve and I've said on my tombstone, it'll say even a Bozada, loving wife, uh, mother, friend, and um, goofball, Reeve Carney should have been nominated for a Tony in 2019. I told him that's going to be on my tombstone. So, um, but I don't know. I, I think I want people to remember me by by opening up the conversation about mental health in the in the musical theater industry. I hope that that's, and also I hope that the rest of my life I, I'm able to. Um, I know I will, but I'm excited to see what it is. Just accomplish many other things that that are big and beautiful and bountiful and are passed down from generation to generation. And, I hope I can make the revolutionaries of the past um, proud, I guess, in all aspects of that. But I don't know. I want people to remember me and go, oh, she was great. I don't know. <laughs> Something that has to do with laughter. You are, you are beautiful. You are a gift. Oh, gosh. Um, yes, I know they will remember. And, and I always say when, when we pass away, we go into something called Life Review. I stand with you. Every Tony Award voter in 2019, when they go through Life Review, will be like, oh, yeah why didn't we nominate Reeve for the Tony? And I stand by that statement and Reeves, gosh, I, I was fortunate enough to see all of you when right the day after the show opened, I bought tickets. Cause I was like, it's going to get really expensive and I can't afford this. Expensive. I was like, I'm a poor teacher. And, um, I, it was, it's branded up here forever. I cannot wait when Broadway reopens to rush and go see, go see the three, all of you. But I mean, gosh, just mm. to go cheer you guys on and, 
soak up it's that story. It's going to be so emotional. I don't know how we're going to get through. I mean, we, Reeve and I can't even get through singing All I've Ever Known together anymore because it's just, it, we just start crying. I, I, at least I can't, I could, I went, we went singing and I was like, we're, we're about to both cry. So let's just uh, pull this back yeah. a little bit. Not because we missed it. Well, because we missed the show and also because it just, it means something to us now <laughs> differently than didn't show context but it's going to be marvelous when we're able to do it it's going to be i mean because i mean hadestown and i think of like moulin rouge these shows about artistry and Mm. this idea of community and why do we create and going along on a journey for something i think is going to resonate more deeply than ever so i yeah i want to thank you if you could have told me a year ago that we would be sitting shooting the shit talking about a reading that i gave you I never would have believed it. So I cannot thank you enough for being my guest today. Um, if you're folks at home listening or watching, please go check out the Amarillo Project. It's beautiful. Eva goes live every so often, and I've watched it. It is the mental detox that I need. And um, mm. I will put up her socials, her information, some of my favorite clips of her just belting her face off and just showing what a light she is. So Thank you so much for, for being here tonight. Be well. Good luck with your two projects um, and many, 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 many more after that because I know they're coming. Yeah. And um, Thank you so, seriously, thank you so much for inviting me on to this and for the reading and just for being now just a, a, honestly a very bountiful and radiant white light presence now in my, in my human experience. I really, really appreciate you. The honor is mine. So thank you. And the feeling is mutual. So. Be well, everyone at home. Thank you for watching season one of Stage Door Medium. And we're going to take a little break. We've got some exciting things coming up for season two. And um, I will see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye, Eva. Bye. Hi, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you want to learn more about Stage Door Medium, please feel free to give me a follow at Stage Door Medium on Instagram stagedoormedium.com, and on YouTube, Stage Door Medium as well. I hope you're well, and we'll see you soon.